Today's episode is sponsored by NoCD. Learn more at treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. What do you say to yourself about what's your story? You know, what I'm really unlucky. I'm really, what do you repeat in your head about who you are? What's your self-talk? What does your self-talk sound like? We are the author of our own stories. And if we rewrite the way we talk to ourselves or the story we tell ourselves about our reality, we can really change our reality. You're listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast where experts share experiences and the latest thinking on mental health and psychology. Here's your host, Gabe Howard. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm your host, Gabe Howard, and calling in today, we have Stephanie Shostak, Stephanie is an actor best known for her roles in The Devil Wears Prada, Iron Man 3, and the ABC hit series A Million Little Things. Ten years into her career, she suffered from crippling imposter syndrome, which pushed her to address her mindset and develop her own playbook. Her new book, Selfish, Step into a Journey of Self-Discovery to Revive Confidence, Joy, and Meaning, is out now. Stephanie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. I am excited that you are here as well, Stephanie. Now, our inner dialogues can be so powerful, and I know that's a sentiment that you agree with because you've shared that your own self-talk from a movie set included, quote, that sucked, they're going to think it sucked, they're going to think I suck, I do suck, what am I doing here, I don't belong here, and I'm going to get fired, unquote. That had to be really taxing on you mentally. Yes. Uh, it was taxing because it was playing on the loop and I did not know how to deal with it. I did not know how to quiet it down. I was trying to censor it. And then I was getting feeling even more like a quote unquote in my mind loser because I couldn't do that. And <laughs> yeah, it was it was taxing and it impacted not only my performance, but also how I related with other people. What I'm really surprised about by hosting this podcast is I I get emails and people are like, she was on a movie set. He was on a movie set. What problems could they have? How could they have imposter syndrome on a movie set? They're Hollywood stars. And of course, I always reply back, human is human, right? But would you like to address that? Just because many Mm -hmm. people believe that their own imposter syndrome would go away if they reached a certain level of success. But we're finding from, from interviewing very successful people that no, it just travels with them. Yes, I actually got a card yesterday, a thank you card from a psychologist who had reviewed the book and he, I sent him a copy and he said, thank you so much. And then P.S., I too suffer from imposter syndrome. And just like your audience members, I was like, what? You do? <laughs> Um, but you're a psychologist, you're an expert. How do you suffer from imposter syndrome? I think the, for me on the movie set, it was, a, it was a new environment. It was the biggest movie set I had ever been on. It was with big movie stars. Um, and I wasn't used to it. The first 10 years of my career, I was kind of, um, uh, coming in from the perspective of the underdog. I started really late acting at 29. I didn't know anybody in the business. People around me were kind of like, what are you doing? You want to be an actress? And this negative reinforcement actually 
uh, it's weird, but that actually motivates me. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I can be an actress. It makes me believe in myself somehow. And I don't know where this comes from, but that's the reality of it. And then I was on this big movie set and all of a sudden people were believing in me. This big director was excited to have me and, and that made me completely lose my um, ground and, and doubt myself. I've been in your shoes before where I've lost ground and doubted myself, but I, I want to point out that you realized that the director was excited to have you and that people were believing you. And I, I think that that is great introspection. Now onto your book, Selfish is designed around a series of what you call self-reflection exercises. And you say self-reflection and not self-help or personal empowerment or mindfulness or any of those things. And I, I'm, I'm curious about these exercises. Is it, is it something that you do in a group? Do you put it on social media? Do you, do you find like a, a, a self-reflection buddy? What's the process for, for doing these exercises? Well, I, I love that you asked this question because I, I actually say in the workbook that this work is personal and I encourage people to keep their playbook private because the second we do something um, knowing that other people are going to look at it. Uh, we edit ourselves. We think, is this going to be cool? What are they going to think of me if I say that? Um, the whole point of self-reflection is really to make space for all of us, all the pieces of us and the vulnerable, and so that we get to know ourselves better, to know ourselves better. That we address where we are in life, where we want to be and how to get there. And it's, I, I think the book, it's not social media, it is personal media that you're creating for yourself. Oh, I really like that, especially in the day and age of so much being public. I, I think it would be incredibly helpful to have something just for us that is private. I, I can see the the real benefit to that. Yes, there's so much noise in the world that we live in. Um, you know, on our phones, we get bombarded constantly. And I found that my playbook is kind of a refuge for me to turn to, to quiet down the noise, uh, to shift my focus to what helps me. And so that then I can bring more of what I cherish and value to the people around me and to my actions. All right, Stephanie. Well, let's go ahead and get to it. I'm going to read off each one of the eight exercises. And can you give us a little bit of information about each one so that our audience can understand the impetus behind them? How does that sound? Sure. All right. Number one is what are your greatest achievements? So this exercise is for you to reflect on your greatest achievements, but uh, that's not necessarily just the wins and the successes. That's also some of the hardships and losses that you've survived. Uh, we have a Venn diagram actually to illustrate your greatest achievement. And it's that sweet spot that intersects between your wins and your losses. Um, I think a lot of the times we uh, grow, we learn from those moments when we weren't sure we were going to make it through, but somehow we found a way. So this helps you to to understand what those moments are for you. And also, I think, you know, a lot of times when we are stuck in life, when we're going through a hard time, we have a tendency to forget what we're capable of, um, what we've achieved. So having that in your playbook is a reminder um, in, in, that you are 
uh, that you've accomplished a lot, that you've come a long way and of your strength and that you are equipped to do difficult things. And the second exercise is who do you admire? Oh, I love this exercise. It was given to me um, by a coach and it's coming up with a list of five or more people you admire in your life that you look up to. And these could be people from your life. They can be celebrities, famous people. They can be alive or not. They can be fictional characters from your favorite movie or books. Um, and once you make that list, you come up, you ask yourself, what is it about this person that I really admire? And come up with two to three attributes for each person. Um, now, usually, some of these attributes end up repeating themselves through, uh, across the different people. And the exercise is look at these attributes that repeat themselves, circle them. And those are actually um, the values or guiding principles or attributes that you desire for your own life. Because what we admire in others is often what we desire for ourselves. Uh, we all know that we need to know our values, but whenever I did that exercise, it was an intellectual thing. Um, and this exercise allowed me to come to my values from a completely different angle. And I like to say not from my head, but more from my heart, if that makes sense. I think that makes a, a lot of sense. It really, really does. And there's also science behind it that um, shows that when we think of the people we admire and the qualities in them that we admire, um, it actually motivates us to act in our own life through those and honor these qualities and bring them out in our own life. There's a doctor who calls people we admire value guides. So, for example... <laughs> I, I'm trying to make this not just an academic thing because I am not an academic. So the practicality of this exercise, uh, you know, when I'm on set, sometimes I feel small and I hesitate to let go and play and take a risk on set. And one of my people is Mick Jagger. And I have a picture in my playbook of Mick Jagger jumping out off the stage into the crowd. And I think he's a total bad bleep bleep and you can say badass you, you're allowed to say badass yeah. <laughs> and he is a badass <laughs> he is and, and you know it, it, this is not about Mick Jagger who he is as a person it's just for me as a performer that's what he represents and so seeing that picture reminds me uh it's not even intellectual I just see that and I'm like yes and it encourages me to bring that side of me to the set every day I think that is incredible. All right. The next one that we have here is what are your pearls of wisdom? Well, that's really the reason why I created my first playbook in my playbook in the first place is because, you know, I don't know if you've read a book recently and you thought, oh my gosh, this book is going to save my life or, or change my life. A friend of mine read Atomic Habits. And she said, oh, I love this book. It's going to change my life. It's highlighted like all throughout and I have notes in the margin. Well, I did the same thing. And then the books go back on the bookshelf and you forget them. Uh, you forget the, the takeaways. So this exercise encourages you to go through your phones. A lot of us actually take screenshots of things that we come across that inspire us. So go through your camera roll, go through your favorite books, 
and put it all in your playbook, which, by the way, my playbook is just an album on my phone in my camera roll uh, where I just download, where I put all these screenshots or I make beautiful visuals with photos that inspire me and the words over them. Um, which there is science also um, about that, that when we compare beautiful visuals with text that resonates with us, it uh, helps us to remember the content more and connects to us emotionally, which helps us, um, motivates us and boosts our mood. Now, I did not make up these exercises. They're just versions of exercises I've done throughout through the last 10 years that have really helped me and continue to guide me to this day. So that's the why behind the exercises. Now, this next self-reflection exercise, I'm very curious about from your vantage point, because it is what is your impossible future? And of course, from many of the audience's standpoint, you're you're a Hollywood actor. Like, isn't that the impossible future? Where do you go from here? But also, what is the impetus behind the question to figure out what your impossible future is? It it also seems to me a little bit like, well, if it's impossible, why think about it? There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com. Gabe Howard here to tell you about the Inside Bipolar podcast from Healthline Media. He does the show with me. Dr. Nicole Washington, a board-certified psychiatrist. That's right. A guy living with bipolar and a psychiatrist team up to discuss living well with bipolar disorder. Listen now on your favorite podcast player or visit psychcentral.com IBP to learn more. Subscribe now so you don't miss out. And we're back with Stephanie Strostak, author of Selfish, Step into a Journey of Self-Discovery to Revive Confidence, Joy, and Meaning. Well, this was given to me when I was uh, 30 by a therapist, and it's really about closing your eyes and imagining your best possible future 10 years or so from now, from the present. And in that future, though, there are no um, obstacles. Money is not an object. It's truly your impossible future. And the reasoning is First of all, to free ourselves, to allow ourselves to dream up what it is we want, not just professionally, Hollywood actor. What, what is that? That can be taken away in, uh, you know, a day or a year, uh, but not just professionally, but in your relationships throughout all the areas of your life. Um, you just dream it up. You imagine, uh, you make it as vivid as possible. And when I did the exercise, it was surprising. I actually imagined something that I would, you know, if you had asked me intellectually, is that what you want? I would have said, no, 
specifically, I saw myself in a house. I'd never lived in a house my entire life. I've always lived in apartments. I lived in New York City. I had no desire to move. But I imagined myself in a house. And this is kind of funny, but there was a dog, there was dog hair on the carpet. And I was, I actually wrote, because afterwards you write it out. And I was like, what, what the crap, dog hair? I don't even like dogs. I was not a dog person at the time. Uh, (laughs) Flash forward, you know, 20 years later, that the impossible future, those were just details of living. But my life is so close to that impossible future. And it really allows you to come in touch with what you truly desire. Um, Not from an intellectual standpoint, but really at at the core of who you are. Um, It also, once we, there's also science behind it that once you do visualize, visualization is really powerful. And once you do visualize things, you're more apt to um, act towards those that that future. So it's not a it's not a wishful thinking exercise. Uh, you know, you don't have to believe in vision boards. There's actually science behind it that once you visualize it, you're more apt to to act towards that future. I, I could not agree more. I, I have personally used this to my advantage, and and I am one of those people that rolled my eyes very very hard. Uh, and, and vision boards and, and imagining my future, but it, it worked like gangbusters and I stand a, a very happily corrected and a very happy convert. Now this, the, the, this next self-reflection exercise makes so much sense to me and I'm excited to hear you talk about it because it's what are your daily wins? Yes. So the daily wins is, um, there's a quote by Randy Posh at uh, that exercise. He was a professor at Carnegie Mellon who had stage four pancreatic cancer. And he gave his last lecture. If you have not watched it, YouTube it. It's amazing. Um, he had just a few months to live and he said, we, we cannot, I don't know the exact quote, but it's, we cannot pick the cards we're dealt. Uh, we don't choose the, the hand we're dealt, but we can choose how we play the hand something like that. And so the daily wins is about really coming up with up to 10 things that you can do every day that are in your control. So we're not in control of the circumstances of the day, uh, but there are things that can help us move the needle in the right direction, personally, professionally, spiritually, um, you know, in your relationships, whatever, whatever you're working on. What are those things? Uh, write them down. And the goal is not to do 10 out of 10. If you have seven out of 10, six out of 10 on any given day, that's, that's a pretty amazing day. Um, but what it does, it really trains us to have positive reinforcements for things that are in our control. And uh, it gives us confidence. It can build momentum. Um, and it also keeps our focus on what we can control. Now, th- this next one, I'm a little confused about, so I'm I'm looking forward to you explaining it. It's what are your narratives? <laughs> well, what's your story? I'm really unlucky. I'm really, what do you repeat in your head about who you are? What's your self-talk? What does your self-talk sound like? And by the way, all these questions are not just big questions and you have to answer. We, we 
spoon feed then one question at a time so that it's not such a big void that you have to answer. So this one is all about self-talk and becoming aware of the situations where we're triggered, where our self-talk is not necessarily productive or doesn't serve us well, and rewriting those, those narratives. We are the author of our own stories. And if we rewrite the way we talk to ourselves or the story we tell ourselves about our reality, we can really change our reality. I, I love that. And as we talked about before, I, I agree that self-talk can be a, a huge driver. If you're insulting yourself, you're going to feel defeated. If you're uplifting yourself, you're going to feel strong and powerful. I can, I can absolutely relate to that. Now this, this next one, it, it, so I hate to say this next one is my favorite because it's sort of like if you have eight children and you're like, well, this child is my favorite, but it's just so often overlooked, especially in self-help. And your your number seven self-reflection exercise is how do you find and spread joy? Oh, I love that you love this one, Gabe, because I said all the other, all the exercises were given to me, except this one. This one I made up. Um, because I, I wanted to make space for gratitude. And then I thought, well, gratitude, everybody talks about gratitude. I have a gratitude practice. But I, and then I thought about joy. And um, joy is a big part of my life. It's about making space for joy for the little moments. It's not happiness. It's truly, even on a difficult day, finding um, a way to savor life uh what what brings you joy is the first part of the exercise and then how do you how can you spread joy um when you you know go to the supermarket and just interact with a stranger it really just makes you more aware of how we spend our day and just be more conscious of how we interact with the people around us uh with the world with nature um, there's a lot of joy to be found in the world if we make space for it. Uh, I love that concept. I love that concept as well. So the, this next one, I, I love anything to do with philosophy, Stephanie. I, I just want to tell you right now, I, I am I am huge, huge, huge philosophy fan. So uh, number eight of your self-reflection exercises is what is your philosophy? And I have to say, as much as I love philosophy, I, I don't know how to answer the question. So this exercise was given to me from a course I took online by a high-performance psychologist called Dr. Michael Gervais. And it's about crafting one sense. You know, you can call it a mission statement. You can call it your, there's a lot of words for it. But it's about finding one sentence that really reflects who you are, what you're about, your values. And that you can turn to as a compass for decision-making, that you can turn to when you need encouragement. Um, it's the eighth exercise because it takes a while to figure that one out. Uh, the way you go about it is just by free writing. You're guided in the workbook to do that, you know, a whole paragraph um, about maybe how, how do I strive to show up in life and all the exercises that you've done before will help you because you already know the values, your, your core values, you know, what you're, what you want, you know, your the self-talk that you need to work on. So it's about, I think the example in the book is Maya Angelou who says, 
my mission in life is not merely to survive, but it is to thrive and to do so with style and humor. I think that's the full quote. Um, in that quote, you know, you have there to, to thrive, to survive, to, to have style and humor. She, it, it, it's your, your life philosophy should encourage you when you're down and remind you of how you want to show up in life. It's, that's really helped me a lot. Have you been able to overcome your negative self-talk, like, for example, while you're on set? Uh, I've been able to work with it. So it doesn't disappear. Some days it's more there if I'm tired or if I don't, maybe don't, things not going well. But yes, I'm able to, uh, I'm able to work with it. And I have tools to fall back on. I really like how you said that, Stephanie, because so often, even when I'm interviewing folks for the show, they're like, do these five things and it'll go away forever. Do this and you'll be cured. And it's, you know, I, I read, as you can imagine, like the, the folks who pitch the show, I read a lot of self-help stuff and it's just like, get rid of X and three easy steps. You've taken a different approach and you're like, look, we're, we're still sort of roommates, but I've got this really good set of boundaries and now they don't eat my food anymore. And I think that is a really different approach in the world. We're human. We are going to deal with doubt. We are going to get angry. We are going to get overwhelmed. That's part of our nature. And what we can do is learn how to navigate those moments and those emotions and those thoughts. And the way to do that is three things. <laughs> Number one, I've learned this from a behavioral scientist. It's a, it's a model. I'm not coming up with it. Number one is awareness, becoming aware ourselves. Number two, learning skills. And three, practicing those skills. And the more we practice them, the more they become habitual and little by little, we can really bring progress to our life. And my, my playbook is about that number three. It's the, the reinforcement, the practice. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. Where can folks find you online? I'm on Instagram at, at Steph Shortstack. And uh, stephanieshowstack.me is my website. And selfishplaybook.com. Now, I know that you wrote this book in collaboration with the nonprofit Given Hour, which is a national mental health organization that provides mental health support to people impacted by human-made trauma. Listeners can find additional tools and resources at givenhour.org slash resources. And I also want to let the listeners know that 50% of the proceeds from the workbook are going to Given Hour. And of course, that book is called Selfish. Step into a journey of self-discovery to revive confidence, joy, and meaning. And it's available now wherever books are sold. I'm sure all of my listeners will check that out. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. And to the listeners, thank you for being here as well. My name is Gabe Howard, and I'm an award-winning public speaker, and I could be available for your next event. I also wrote the book Mental Illness is an Asshole and Other Observations, which you can get on Amazon, but you can grab a signed copy with free show swag or learn more about me by heading over to GabeHoward.com. Wherever you downloaded this episode, please follow or subscribe to the show. It is absolutely free and you don't want to miss a thing. And hey, can you do me a favor? Recommend the show to everyone you know, because sharing the show is how we're going to grow. I will see everybody next Thursday on Inside Mental Health. You've been listening to Inside Mental Health, a Psych Central podcast from Healthline Media. Have a topic or guest suggestion? 
email us at show at psychcentral.com. Previous episodes can be found at psychcentral.com slash show or on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. One in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.